You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine. And what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Hello and welcome to Locked On Knicks Podcast. This is episode 101. I am your host, Jared Dubin, and this is day whatever of the Mellow Trade Watch. Um, Some more reports obviously coming out throughout the day today. Here to talk about those, the great Seth Rosenthal of SB Nation and Posting and Toasting. Seth, how are you, man? You know, relatively good. Relatively. Yeah, there there are days that have been worse and days that have been better, um, both in Knicks land and in the world in general. Uh, the Knicks, obviously, you know, they lost a pretty stupid game to the Mavs last night. Carmelo poured in 30 points in the first three quarters. I don't think he scored in the fourth, if I'm remembering correctly. And, um, you know, before the game there was a report about you know, him potentially being traded to the Cavs, but not really. And then in, I guess, like, during or after the game, I can't even remember what it was because there have been so many reports at this point. There was a report that they had engaged the Celtics in trade talks, and then today another report that they had engaged the Clippers in trade talks, but not centered around any of Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, or DeAndre Jordan. So... Lots of reports coming out now is um, sort of how it looks. Yep, it's a lot. And it's it's even going back to, I don't even remember what the first one of these is, but I guess uh, the, the Celtics thing was, I think the first time in, you know, a good six or seven years of occasional mellow trade rumors, um, wherein the Knicks were rumored to be making the calls instead of receiving the calls, right? Even pre, pre-no-trade clause, I don't remember any rumor that the Knicks had, like, offered Mellow to anyone. No, I don't either. I remember people advocating that they should do that at one time or another, but I, don't rem- I certainly don't remember any time where it was the reports that the Knicks had actually initiated talks with anybody. You know, even last year when it was, uh, you know, the... Uh, the Cleveland rumors, it was like LeBron wants the wants the the Cavs to to go try to get Melo and maybe they'll get him to waive his no trade clause. But then it was like, no, nah, he doesn't want to do that. It wasn't like now. It seems like the tone is the, of this all has changed from you know, would the Knicks ever consider trading Carmelo? Would Carmelo ever c- consider waiving his no trade clause? Um, you know. Phil Jackson asking Carmelo if he wants to stay. Carmelo saying that if they tell him they want to go in another direction, that he'll consider waiving his no-trade clause. Now it seems over the last few days that it's begun that they're actively shopping him, which is a yeah. big, big change in uh, the way this all has gone on. And you, you identified the other big change, too, which is that Melo directly has, has said, you know, has at least 
possibility that he would waive his no trade clause. And in, in the uh, Woj report about the Knicks looking to trade with the Clippers or Celtics, he he suggested that Mello would be okay with going to the Clippers. So you know that's another indication that indeed that's something he'd be willing to do. And we we had never heard that ever before for certain. Yeah, there had been you know background reports and people hearing things that like the places he would be willing to go would be Cleveland and the Clippers, which, you know, based on his desire to play with his boys, makes sense. Um, right. There, there hasn't been any firm reporting one way or another whether he would be willing to go to Boston, but it doesn't seem like from these recent reports that that's really the destination. It seems like it's um, the Clippers, I guess, based on the reports today, and for weird nothing nonsense basically like what do you make of that yeah. with, with like because the Woj report today was like he's determined to clear Carmelo's salary off the books but all they can get from the Clippers if they're not getting like Blake Griffin is guys with contracts that last like exactly as long as his and add up to basically you know the same amount of money that Carmelo makes it's just divided between you know two guys instead of just him like what do you, what do you make of the desire uh, to trade him being basically clear his salary in a deal that doesn't seem to accomplish that? Right there, I don't see any version of a straight up one to one Knicks Clippers Mellow trade that would be even remotely desirable for the Knicks. You know the Clippers have no interesting young guys you know because they're not this kind of team they have no interesting young guys on their roster they can't trade a pick for what three years they're uh, the first pick they can trade is 2021 um right. their most so, interesting young guy is bryce johnson who hasn't yeah, played this season care. because of surgery yeah so they're you know they are a championship contender they're packed to the brim with contracts and they don't have their picks they're they're in sort of that that stage of a team cycle and so that's not really the team that you can get a lot out of and yeah so I don't you know nobody I would assume that the Knicks also don't want like nickels on the dollar and get you know Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers and stuff in exchange for Mello that that helps nobody um what I've seen helps the Clippers (laughs) sorry helps the Clippers yeah oh yeah helps the Clippers sure (laughs) Helps the Clippers. Um, what I've seen people suggest, not reporters, but fans, and what I think would be interesting is if that becomes a three-team deal, and you know that could be with the Celtics, just because they happen to be adjacent to this conversation. Is a deal in which, say, Blake Griffin goes to the Celtics, Mello goes to the Clippers, and any sorts of picks and expiring contracts and stuff, and young assets or whatever, all go to the Knicks. That, that that seems like somewhat feasible and and obviously much more palatable for the Knicks because the Celtics are in that sort of middle stage of the building cycle where they still have a massive heap of interesting assets for a team that, say, has a 22-year-old as its best player and needs to sort of start from scratch like the Knicks. Yeah, it sort of seems like if the, if the Celtics got involved, then they were able to convince the Clippers to swing Blake their way, which is no guarantee, especially with this report that the Knicks are talking to them about a trade with none of the big three involved. But we're saying if you accept that premise, 
they could swing that, I think, without giving up that Nets pick. Like, if, if they sent the, or sorry, the, the Nets pick this year, I mean, the, the right to swap with them this year. Like, if they sent, you know, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, some salary, and next year's Nets pick the Knicks way, that seems like it should be enough to get them Blake. But the, I th- I th- here's the thing, though, about that. I think, like, the Clippers should get more for Blake than just Carmelo. That, that seems to be something that people aren't talking about in these kind of things. For sure, and you know, of course, the Knicks could always give up more. The Knicks, if they're truly at the point where they're saying, you know, forget it, let's just ditch everything, then every person on a long-term contract, except for Porzingis and you know the youngest, uh, newest guys, is expendable in that deal. You can get rid of Courtney Lee, you can get rid of O'Quinn. I mean, if you're if you're just going to bottom out, those guys don't really serve much of a purpose. The other thing I would say is that I know, like I know, I saw it reported that the Knicks are talking to the Clippers, and that they're not talking about get, getting any of the big three in return. And you know, both the both a three team trade being in the works and that report being correct could be the case. Um, I, you know, Isola could have only heard that the Knicks are talking to the Clippers and that the Knicks aren't going to get Blake Griffin back. Um, and it could still be the case that they're, you know, that's only half the story. That's often how these things leak, is not. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely makes sense, um, especially because the Knicks tend to leak all the time and right. the Celtics never leak. You always hear stuff about the Celtics after the fact, like, oh, they were in on this guy and they were going to trade their nine million assets for him, but they wanted too much. But pre-Celtics stuff doesn't tend to leak very often. They run a pretty tight ship, uh, tight ship, not type ship, um, on that side over there. You know, basically the opposite of the Knicks. Yeah, but anyway, I, I say Celtics only because they're, they've been mentioned in these rumors, even though it could, it could be anyone, anyone who either wants Griffin or just wants in on the trade in some other way and can get something from the Clippers or something from the Knicks, frankly, that isn't Melo or who isn't Melo and send assets the Knicks way instead of just like, you know, 27-year-olds on multi-year deals, um, then I could see that working. But there is, I, I you know, I, I don't have a ton of faith in the Knicks front office, but there is no way no way they could do a deal head-to-head with the Clippers. That would be absolute madness. Yeah, no. It um, There doesn't seem to be a fit there. Like, what's what does a deal that, you know, for example, just that sal- with an example of salaries that work and that Frank floated in his report, like, what does a Jamal Crawford, Austin Rivers, and 2021 pick deal do for the Knicks like it makes them bad for the rest of this year and it gives them a pick you know four years down the line but it doesn't clear any cap space it doesn't give them a potential you know building block for the future all it does is like make it easier for them to be bad for the rest of the season and like while it would be well it would be nice to get like you know uh, whatever it is like a 45 percent shot at getting a top three pick if they slump down to, you know, the second or third worst record in the league, it doesn't seem like they, they get enough in the actual deal there to make it worth it. Yes, and, and making the team worse is not something that you 
get in a trade. If you want the team to be worse and you right. want a worse pick and you want a better pick, then oh, suddenly Chris Tapp's hamstring is a or Achilles is a is a long term problem and he he needs to sit. And Melo's shoulder is bothering him. And look at that, we lost our last thirty games. Yeah, that's how you do that. You don't make a trade. No, yeah, I I one hundred percent agree with that. Um, I would be interested to know if there are people that are just like, yeah, that's it, that's all I need. Give me a 50% shot at Marco Fultz or Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really do, I'm not, like, concerned with the possibility of the Knicks. I'm concerned with the possibility of the Knicks making a insufficient trade for Mello, if only because Phil Jackson, whose, whose trades I think I'm not as, like, upset about in the past as other people are, but I think he does have a history now of pulling pretty substantial trades off well before the trade deadline um, and possibly leaving some stuff on the table and so in general I have that worry but I, I really can't imagine the Clippers bilking the Knicks like that not like that, that's yeah. too much Well the Clippers have tended to lose trades too because Doc doesn't particularly know what he's doing as a GM um, That that's the thing too is like just because the Knicks say, and they really haven't even said it, but just because they say that they're going to go rebuild now and the Mellow trade is going to be like their kickoff way to do it, if that's indeed what's happening, um, that doesn't mean they're going to be good at it. You know, like it, it doesn't mean that they're going to make some great deal that's going to get them a, you know, a, a young potential star plus a great draft pick this year. Like, I think anybody that's expecting that for Carmelo is expecting probably a little bit too much. Like, that's something you would have had to trade him last year or the year before to get, I think. Is is that sort of where you stand, too? Like, the price has come down a bunch to me. Well, you know, he's basically the same player he always has been, but the no-trade clause really complicates things because if... Well, he's also going to be 33 in a few months, sure, as opposed sure, yeah. to 31. But, you know, he's, he's still good. He has a pretty friendly contract relative to the rest of the league now. Um, but even even putting any of that aside, the no-trade clause means that if you're Danny Ainge and Phil calls you and he says he wants to make a deal, you know that's because you're one of the few teams that Melo has said he's okay with going to. So... It would be very hard for the Knicks to pull any strength to have any leverage unless, you know, two of those three teams or all two of the two teams that Melo is willing to go to, however many there are, uh, you know, unless they actually get into a bidding war, which, like, I don't know if Melo really has so much value right now that teams are willing to fight over him, but it, it would take a very specific set of circumstances for other teams not to be able to just hang up on Phil if they don't get what they want. Yeah, I think we can forget about the Cavs. That's, I don't think, happening. Like, they're not... Yeah, I mean, and, and frankly, the Cavs are in the same boat as the Clippers where it's like, okay, go ahead and put together a package. It's totally undesirable. You have nothing to offer. Yeah, it's... <sighs> right, if they're not giving up love and the Clippers aren't giving up Blake, one-to-one deals to either team don't make sense, uh, for at least from the Knicks side, because neither of them can trade a pick until 2021 either. So that's where you get into 
needing a third team, whether it's the Clippers or like a dumping ground team, like uh, the Sixers always try to jump in on trades when one team needs an asset or another. But the Sixers, well, first of all, Hinky's not there anymore. And second of all, they like to get paid in assets, not just take stuff. Yeah, no, I think you're, you know, it's it's those, like, not quite good enough middle-of-the-road teams. The Celtics are weird because they have, they're so especially stacked, but, you know, you hit up, like, the Magic, and you say, hey, the Magic, you have way too many young guys and, like, merely okay players and picks and stuff. You need someone good. How about Blake Griffin? <laughs> you know, and, and you give us all the... 20-year-olds on your team. I don't know. But, it, you know, there there are... It's not the, like, really good teams that you're going to hit up to, to be part of that trade. Right, other than Boston, because they happen to have been gifted by the Nets all of this ridiculous stuff. Yes, the, the Celtics are an exception. Is there anybody that's out... Like, if... You know, if you're running the team... First of all, congratulations on running the team. Can... when are, I, don't, I don't want those problems. When are you hiring me? Um... Second of all, is is there anything in particular, not certain players, but asset types or player archetypes that you would be looking to get back if you were going to make a deal with him? Make make a deal with with a particular. Oh, you like get rid of Mello? Yeah, like what are you looking for in return? Oh, like, I would be doing everything in my power to get the highest possible pick this year. Um. The Knicks have for 15 years needed a really good point guard, and you can basically fall down and land on a point guard, a really good point guard by accident in this draft. Um, and you know, I think that could mean this year. That could mean picking up as many as many first rounders as possible, and not necessarily one really good one, because I think there are going to be teams in position to trade down. You know, teams like Minnesota that really don't need to be making more lottery picks and just kind of need to get good now. Um, you know, that if the Knicks had their own pick plus another, you know, late lottery or mid-first rounder plus something else that they could trade up into, you know, the maybe the fourth or fifth pick or something. I'm pulling these numbers out of my butt, but, like, however, however one can get into the uppermost part of the lottery, that's really, I think, the, the most wonderful asset available right now, and um, specifically, you know, in any draft, but specifically in this draft, just because if you're saying, okay, the next up Przingis, what, you know, who's the best possible person to add to Przingis? Uh, Lonzo Ball would be nice. Mark Belfort would be really nice. Dennis Smith would be really nice. There's really, there are living, breathing human beings coming into the league next year who would really be perfect for an ideal rebuilding project, which obviously, like you said, you know, there's there's a lot of room for the next to not do an ideal rebuilding project and just kind of kind of half-ass it. But if they're serious about it, that's that's what I'd be looking at. Yeah, they um, they have been known to half-ass rebuilding projects in the past. It would be nice if they are going to uh, to rebuild. If they're gonna like, if they're gonna rebuild, they should actually rebuild and not do the thing they do every other time. But, I mean, to me, the things that you look for when you're dealing a star, like, I think you have to get three things. Ideally, you get all three, but you have to at least get two of them. You have to get first-round picks. You have to get 
young potential stars, or you have to get cap space. You can't only get one of the three. I think you have to get at least two. Ideally, you get all three. Um, it doesn't always work out. Like when the Magic traded Dwight Howard, they got cap space, they got first-round picks, and they got young potential stars. And none of the guys turned into stars. The picks they had only sort of hit, and they didn't sign anybody with the cap space. You know. Yeah, you, you're never going to get all the way there because if a team is sending you a young potential star, you know they're only giving him up because he might also not be a star. It's like it's like what the you know what New Orleans got for Chris Paul. It all looked okay, but none of it really panned out. Right. Well, they you know their young potential star was Eric Gordon, who was hurt all the time and didn't want to be there. Right. The draft pick they drafted Austin Rivers, um, and the cap space they spent in more trades where they gave guys up so, so they could get like Tyreek Evans and whatnot. Right. So and even like Alfaruk Aminu was there, and Alfaruk Aminu could have could have grown to be a star. Like, <coughs> so you're taking a gamble there, but that is essentially the kind of package you're looking for. Right. Um, I don't know if they can get all three of those things really from anywhere without getting the Celtics involved. Like, that seems to be the only way they can get it, because it would no, and be... I, and I just think, like I said, I don't think they would have the leverage necessary to get all three of those things, because any team can say, well, you, you know, you have no one else to talk to, so no, we're not, you know, throwing whatever Avery Bradley into this deal. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, they, could, I, they I think the Celtics could get Carmelo without trading Avery Bradley or Jay Crowder or the Celtics pick. I think that there's a realistic way they could get that done, which is like the things that that Celtics fans are always complaining about not giving up in potential deals, you know? Um, and I think if they could do that, wouldn't be terrible. Um, not necessarily a great deal for them, but I'm, I'm talking about from the Knicks end, the kind of things you should want to get. Like if you look at the Celtics and you say, yeah, we'll take, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, like Amir Johnson's salary, and you know the Nets pick next year. I think that'd be great for the Knicks. I don't know if necessarily it's great for the Celtics. I think it gives them something that they need, but it's not necessarily the best possible use of the assets. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think whatever, you know, if, if the Celtics were either involved in the three-team deal or if it were head-to-head with the Celtics, that, be, again, based on what Phil's done in the past and kind of not necessarily getting everything he could have in a trade and also what we know of Danny Ainge and the Celtics uh, and their, like, wild overvaluing of their own people is that if, if the Knicks wanted to get stuff back from the Celtics, then, you know... They would, they would not be getting everyone. It's not like, you know, when, when the Knicks acquired Mello, they basically gave up every asset they had except for Andrew Shields. Yep. And I think the Celtics would not be doing the equivalent. They would be giving up half of the, you know, the possible assets or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't think, give, like you said, given the way the Celtics tend to, and it's not just Celtics fans, it does seem like the Celtics themselves as well based on you know, stuff that has come out afterward about trade negotiations and whatnot, it uh, it does seem yeah, like... I mean, Go ahead. The Celtics have reportedly withheld their full complement of assets for trades involving, like, Jimmy Butler, so they're not going to suddenly empty out for Mello. No. 
but I also think that the price should be lower on Melo, and they could potentially yeah. get him without giving up, at, you know, everything, or even like they could hold on to their three best assets and get him. I think. I I think that's entirely true, um, and and it wouldn't necessarily be unfair of them to demand as much. No, I don't think so either. Um, so what's your before we go? Because we're basically talking in circles about trades that like we don't even know if or when or how they're going to happen, but. I put out a poll on the Twitter account yesterday basically asking people, like, will the Knicks trade Carmelo? And I gave three options, um, which was, you know, yes before the deadline, yes but not until the offseason, or no. Um, After I put that poll out, uh, Woj came out with the report saying that that Phil was going to try to find a home for him by the deadline, so people had already voted by that point. Though, what's your read on that at this point? Yeah, I mean, 24 hours ago, I would have said no, he's not going anywhere. Um, but if the Knicks are trying to trade him, and if Melo says I am okay with being traded, if, if that's what's happening, then I, I, I guess so. I, I think I it more likely than not that he'll just stick around because it's hard, hard to pull off trades um, and Mello you know it, to either to his credit or to fully articulate what he has said he's not saying like yes trade me he's just saying no I want to be here but if they're really desperately trying to get rid of me then I, I guess so um, right is there no possibility where like Phil just gets fired <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it might be more likely that this drags on until the summer and then Phil tries to trade him over the summer again. Carmelo just says, like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And then he wins a power struggle again. He's undefeated in Madison Square Garden power struggles, and I would not at all be surprised if he won another one. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I would hate that. <laughs> yeah, look, that's another thing. Okay, this will this will be the last thing we talk about. Uh, before I let you go. If the Knicks are going to trade Carmelo, do you even want Phil Jackson to be the guy doing it? Like, is not is it better that Carmelo wins a power struggle and Phil goes, and then they bring in someone else? First of all, would that someone else even have the leverage to say to Carmelo, this is what we're doing, we're going to tra- rebuild, do you want to leave now? Would Carmelo even be okay with that? And and would you rather that situation happen than have Phil make a trade either now or at or over the summer and then be the guy that's rebuilding the team? Yeah, that's you know that's hard to. Full, I mean, it's sort of layers of hypotheticals. It's hard to fully gauge without having a complete sense of how the Knicks front office works. Because I suspect that if Phil were to get canned, then it, they wouldn't actually hire anybody. Then you know. They would, they would backfill whatever positions would go with him, but then Steve Mills would be in charge. So then the question is, how much is Steve Mills already involved? You know, how much of a say does he get relative to Phil? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like I said, I think Phil has a bit of a history now of getting 75% of what he maybe should have or could have gotten back in trades. Um, actually, the Knicks in general have a bit of a history of doing that. 
Um, well, it's more like and, they have a history of paying 150 cents on the dollar rather than they have yeah, a history yeah, of paying less there back. There you go. That's a better they, way of articulating They, that, they but, tend to overpay for someone else than not get enough for what they're sending out because they're always trying to acquire the guy. That's true. It's been a long time since the Knicks were giving up the best player in a deal, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, except for the Derrick Rose deal where Robin right. Lopez is quietly the best player, but never mind. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, a hypothetical general manager X slash Steve Mills in a bigger role um, would maybe be a little stingier, would be a little more patient than Phil has traditionally been, and so that would be nice. Or that person would be worse. I have no idea, because that person would be chosen by James Dolan, who is not known for having good taste in people. Yeah. It's... Um it's going to be good when they fire Phil and bring in Isaiah Thomas, and instead of trading Carmelo, he like trades for Rondo and something else. Like, <laughs> oh God, the Knicks, friends. All right, that's um, that's going to wrap it up for us today. I'm sure we'll be talking about this a whole lot more over the next month, um, and then Carmelo won't get traded, and it'll all have been for naught. But uh, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm just going to induce a coma for the next little while and then wake up and see what happens. I wouldn't mind inducing coma for a lot longer than between now and the trade deadline, but that's just me. That's true. I'll see <laughs> the next in 2020. Yeah. Well, Seth, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can find Seth's work at SBNation.com. Find him on Twitter at Seth underscore Rosenthal as well. And I'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. Seth, thanks again. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Before you lies a beautiful meadow. In that meadow, Progressive Direct has placed its auto insurance rates alongside those of competitors. You select the lowest rate and feel a great sense of calm. A great sense of oh. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates so you can rest easy. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.